You are listening to episode 46 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to make better decisions and how to feel more confident about them. I'm master life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. All right. So I have been thinking a lot about decision making, and this is something I've been working around with clients. And it's a topic that's come up in some other conversations with prospective clients as well is how do we make better decisions and how do we know that this is the right decision and the right time? It's been really great because it has lovingly nudged me to figuring out what does a decision making process look like for me? And I think it's really fascinating because I struggled for a very long time with decision making. I was very indecisive, even from a young age. And I can trace this back to a time when we were at McDonald's and we have enough to cover breakfast and I ordered hotcakes and I thought hotcakes were cinnamon rolls, but they weren't. They were pancakes. And back then I hated pancakes. And looking back, I was like, oh, I should have clarified or I should have asked. Those are cinnamon rolls, right? I should have verified what I was thinking and I didn't. So then when I got the pancakes, I probably was whiny and was like, oh, but I don't want to eat this. This isn't what I want. And my dad was like, too bad. You're going to eat it. You've got to suck it up now. You made the wrong choice. You got to live with the consequences. And so I can trace back to early childhood sometimes when I made a decision that I wish I could change or I could take back. And at that time, I couldn't just go and order something different. There were other times where my brain was just trying to make sense of the world. And it came to this conclusion that I just made the wrong decision. And that was bad. And I don't want to do that again. So I need to make sure I think really hard, spend a lot of time thinking. That way I can try to make the right decision. So this shows up in me waiting until the very last day to decide where I was going to go to college. I applied to, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 schools. I got into all but one of them. So I had a lot of options to pick from. And that was really hard, trying to pick between 10 different schools. So I waited until literally the very last day that it could be postmarked to send in my acceptance letter. I'd wait weeks to break up with somebody. I'd ask 12 different people their opinions, hoping that somebody would say something magical and make this decision easy for me, which spoiler alert, that just made things worse. Or I'd make a list of pros and cons and hope that the quote logical decision would reveal itself to me and it would create the results that I really wanted. So I've spent many years feeling very indecisive, very wishy-washy, very unsure. I also have some times and some experiences in the past where I felt very strong and very confident this is what I needed to do. And within two weeks, I was doing it. I do have examples and evidence of how I can be very decisive But if I didn't feel this very strong conviction one way or another, then it felt harder to me. And that just drew out and prolonged the indecision. So we're going to talk about a couple of things here. We're going to talk about why decision-making feels so hard, how our current decision-making process, if you have one, may not be serving you. And then I'm going to give you my new decision-making process. And I want to invite you to adopt it and to use it and to test it out and try it in your own life. And I'll give you a couple examples of what this looks like on a simple level and then when it comes to some bigger decisions. Let's talk about why decision-making feels hard. Number one, the only reason decision-making is going to feel hard is because you're afraid of making the wrong decision. That's it. We're just afraid that there's a right and a wrong decision, and I've got to make the right one. 
So now there's a lot of pressure to make the right decision and to not make the wrong decision because making the wrong decision equals regret. That's really why. It equals shame. It equals judgment. It equals regret. But regret is a feeling. So what does that make it? This is a little fill-in-the-blank question. If regret is a feeling, what does it make it? Optional. Regret is optional regardless of the results that you create. That's what I want to offer here. Regret is always going to be optional because we will always get results in life that we either don't want or that we didn't expect. And this is normal. Nothing has gone wrong. And I want to offer you this phrase that nothing has gone wrong. This is one of my favorite ways to calm down my brain. Nothing has gone wrong. This is normal. We really want to look at are you assessing and learning from those results that you got, even if you didn't want them or you didn't expect them, so that you can grow from them? Are you learning from your mistakes? Or are you sitting in the regret, shame, guilt, self-loathing, and then indulging in all the doubt and confusion? Because the latter is only going to give you more trips to the pantry trying to feel better with food. Because your brain is simply trying to avoid the pain. If in the past, when you made the, quote, wrong decision and you didn't get the results that you wanted, if you beat yourself up and you talk to yourself like crap and you didn't do anything positive with that experience in order to learn from it, your brain will always try to avoid it. It's always now going to be on the alert for when any kind of emotional pain, like disappointed, regret, shame, might come up. And it's going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, remember when you made this decision and things didn't work out? That was bad. Let's not do that again. And it's always going to try to keep you focused on how do we avoid feeling that negative emotion? How do I avoid feeling the regret? How do I avoid feeling the shame? How do I avoid feeling rejected? How do I avoid feeling disappointed? That's it. So much of our decision-making process revolves around those key things is avoiding a negative emotion. That's why it feels so hard. That's why it feels like there's so much pressure to get it right. There's a lot at stake. Sometimes it's even our self-concept of who we are and our worth and our value in this world. There can be a lot riding on it. The other reason or the other way in which it can be hard is because if it's a bad decision, now you are stuck with it the rest of your life and there is no going back. When in reality, you can almost always make a new or a different decision. We can almost always go back to the way things were before, and we can almost always decide to make a new decision going forward. When we feel like everything is so critical, that's when we put all of that pressure because we're so afraid that this has the power to ruin your life. That's really what we're afraid of here is that this decision, if we make the wrong one, is going to ruin our life. Sometimes we fear making a decision and trying something new because of all the evidence of how things didn't work last time. And I see this a lot with weight loss. Almost every person who comes to me has had some kind of success in the past losing weight. It just hasn't stayed off. Whether they're overeating or emotionally eating, whether they tried counting points or macros and they found that they just couldn't stick with it, whether they tried a meal delivery system or prepared planned foods and they ended up going off that program, they didn't want to eat those foods for the rest of their life, so they gained the weight back. They're scared to try something new because they're afraid of the shame and regret and that internal beatdown if they don't lose the weight or if they lose it just to gain it back again. So there's a lot of what if the same thing happens again. There's a lot of that sunk cost mentality as well of, oh, I've already spent so much trying to figure this out. I can't spend any more. But there's got to be a point where you decide to figure it out no matter what. And this is what it came to for me. Because I felt so frustrated that I could not solve my emotional eating and my overeating. 
that I did not care how many times it took me to try, I was going to find something that worked for me. I tried a group program in 2016. That did not work. I tried a different group coaching program in 2017. That did not work. I did a course in 2017. That did not work. I did probably dozens of workbooks and journals and articles and podcasts and all kinds of things, and I still could not find what really felt true and resonated for me. And then I finally found life coaching tools that I could apply to weight loss and emotional eating. And that's what truly helped me solve that. I spent a lot of time, money, and energy on things that didn't work, but I didn't let that hold me back from finding something that would work for me. Because I guarantee all of those things that I tried probably worked for someone, but I never held myself and my dreams and goals hostage just because I tried some things in the past and they didn't work. I decided that I was determined to figure this out. I didn't care how long it took me. I was going to stop overeating. That's the key here, is I didn't let that hold me back. So I just want to offer a new thought about decision-making. There are no right decisions. There are only the decisions that you choose to make right. I can make every decision right by having my own back, by building self-trust. Because that's what it requires in order to have this kind of thought process. It's going to require you to assess and to learn from your mistakes and from your missteps instead of shaming and beating yourself up when things don't go the way you want. Let's dive into why your current decision-making process may not be serving you. Number one, thinking there's a right decision or a perfect decision. Number two, it's not having a process to make decisions because a lot of times we're not taught this in school or what we're taught may just not work for our brains and the way that we think and operate. Number three, why your decision-making process doesn't serve you is that your habit brain focuses on all that you give up. It looks at what are you losing, and often there's a sense of comfort and security and familiarity instead of focusing on what you will gain. That's what it's designed to do. Again, nothing has gone wrong, but your brain's always going to want to focus on worst-case scenarios because it wants to keep you safe. It wants to prevent any potential threat of pain, physical, mental, or emotional. We let the fear of the negative outweigh the hope of the positive, especially when we start looking at our past experiences and we start using our past against us and we use our past as a fortune teller as to what's possible going forward. Our past can be a history lesson. We can learn from it, but it never has to be your fortune teller unless you let it. That's the only way that's going to happen is you are letting it now dictate your future and you don't have to. Number four, you might ask other people what their thoughts and opinions are before you decide your thoughts and your opinions. If you fear it's foolish or a waste of time or money or you're uncertain, your friend is going to agree with you. Their habit brain is going to agree with your habit brain, right? When you go into it and you're like, I don't know, I've got these two things, but they're going to be like, oh, yeah, of course you shouldn't do that. No, their habit brain is siding with your habit brain. Meanwhile, they're not living in your life. They are not living in your house. They're not living with your partner or your kids or in your body, with your thoughts, with your brain. They don't know what it's like to be you. They don't know what the challenge and the struggle is. And that's normal. My husband doesn't understand the drama and challenges I went through around food and emotional eating. And that's okay. He didn't have the same struggle. But it also meant that when he tried to give me advice, it was like, you just need to not eat that. You just need to say no. You just need to exercise harder. He had the best of intentions. He was well-meaning. But he didn't understand why I kept spending money on these programs and different things trying to solve this because it wasn't a problem that he needed help solving. 
he's just going to give me his thoughts based off of what's easy and normal for him, what feels natural for him, not taking into account what feels challenging and hard for me, what my road looks like. When we are looking for other people to give us their thoughts and to make our decisions for us, this shows us a lack of self-trust. And 99% of the time, that's going to lead you to making decisions out of fear and trying to keep yourself safe, rather than looking at what do I want for my life? What's that bigger vision and goal and desire that I have? Fear's there to keep us safe, to keep us alive. We stay comfortable with where we're at, but we never grow if all we're doing is listening to that fear. I'm going to teach you later how we're going to handle that and how we're going to deal with that because that has to be part of the process. Number five, guilt. Guilt because you want it, not because you need it. We have a lot of guilt around wanting things or getting things that we want instead of things that we need. And this happens a lot with food, right? We might have this conversation of you don't need it. You don't need the ice cream. Therefore, you shouldn't have it. And there we go with the S word, the shoulds, and we're shooting on ourselves now. Now you shouldn't have it because you don't need it. And it feels very punitive, like it's not allowed. There's some restriction there. Now you're trapped. You don't get to just have the things that you want. That's not allowed. It's bad. Or, and this one's my favorite, it's selfish. Ooh, now that's a surefire way to stop trusting yourself. Is This is selfish. Because nobody wants that. We've been trained that is bad. And really what I see as selfishness is prioritizing yourself at the expense of someone else. It's not just prioritizing yourself over someone else. It's not just me over, let's say, a neighbor. It's I'm prioritizing me at the expense of my neighbor. And that is very different. And that's where I think as women, we have a really hard time around this concept, especially if somebody has ever told you you were selfish as a kid in particular, because now when you grow up and somebody tells you you're selfish, it might trigger you. It might sting. It's going to take you back to that childlike state when that was really bad, when there's nothing wrong with prioritizing what you want. And this is where we can rebel with food, too. If we aren't getting things that we want in other areas of our life, we can be like, fine, at least I can get what I want when it comes to food. If I can't get what I want out of my job or if I can't get what I want in my marriage or in my parenting with my kids, screw it. I'll just get what I want with food. I'll make myself feel better that way. Here's an area that I can control and I can get what I want. So we want to be mindful of how this plays overall and just our entire concept of how we live. It goes back to guilt because you want it, not necessarily because you need it. Maybe you should just be happy and satisfied with what you've got. Maybe you should just be grateful with the life that you have right now. Maybe you shouldn't want anything more for yourself. There's a lot of thoughts out there and a lot of ways that people can hold you back and we allow them to hold us back. Number six, the last way your decision-making process may not be serving you is a list of pros and cons. And what I find with clients is that this often leads to swirling and indecision and confusion as you try to rank your pros and cons and this is a wash. And and again, your brain gets stuck focusing on all the things that are going to keep you safe and in your comfort zone instead of going after your dreams and goals. Because indecision always leads to overthinking and overwhelm. So naturally, you're going to put off making the decision or doing anything about it. When we feel overwhelmed, when we're overthinking it, we're just like, all right, I'm just not gonna make any decision at all. So we just just keep putting it off. But that feeling of indecisiveness, that's how it's worked with our habit brain, desiring immediate gratification and keeping you safe. And your thinking brain is what really wants those dreams and goals. But that's going to require you to step out of your comfort zone and to grow in ways that sometimes may feel uncomfortable. It's normal for these two parts of your brain to be at odds. The key question is, 
how do you move forward? How do you live a life on purpose rather than a life that just happens to you? How do you live a life where you go after and you achieve your big goals and dreams and that vision that you have for your life rather than letting fear make all of your decisions for you? Creating your own decision-making process. Feel free to tweak and play with this. Key things, though, to note. Number one, you need to have all pertinent and relevant data or information. You also need to have your one-year and five-year goals. And this is often where people go wrong. They don't have a one-year or a five-year goal, so now they aren't sure if this decision is going to help them get there because they have no clue where they're aiming. What do you want for your life? If you could create any result in the next 12 months, what would you want to create? Same thing for the five-year goal. If you could create any result in the next five years, what would you want to create? You're going to have a much harder time making a decision you feel confident about if you don't know exactly where you're going. We need to have that target, that vision of where we're going in mind. And then we can see, is this getting me closer? And this can also feel hard because a lot of women hold themselves back from really deciding what kind of goal they want to set because their brain is trying to protect them. And it wants to protect them from feeling disappointed. That's all that's happening here. It's afraid to look at what do I really want in my life a year from now. It's afraid of getting their hopes up because what if they're disappointed? What if this doesn't happen? It wants to protect you from perceived pain of setting a goal and maybe not reaching it. Really be honest about what is that goal that you're setting. And then the other thing to note is that you make this decision first and then you bring in anyone else. So if there's two people involved in the decision-making, we each make the decision separately and we look at what are all of our reasons separately and then we come together and we talk about it based off of what we feel like are our top reasons. Similarly, if this is a decision more about you, but it does impact other people, you want to make that decision first. Do you want this? Yes or no. And then you sell your partner or your family or whoever it is on why this is the best decision that your family could make right now. And this process is going to help you feel that way. Step number one, you are only comparing two options at a time. I think it's really interesting how a lot of parenting psychology and books and resources say you do not give your children a limitless amount of options. You give them two options and that's it. Would you like oatmeal or fruit for breakfast? Would you like a hot dog or a hamburger for lunch? They get two options because more than that is going to overwhelm them. They want a sense of power and control, so they like to be able to choose, but we don't want to give them too much to choose from. We want to do the same thing with our brains. We're only comparing two things. So it might be, do you want to buy a house or rent? Do you want to buy an existing home or do you want to build a new home? We're comparing two at a time. Number two, you're going to list out the benefits of each one, all the reasons to do that thing. What will you gain from saying yes? I want you to write this at the top of your page. What will I gain from saying yes? So often we get caught up with our habit brain worrying about what am I losing? What am I missing out on? What am I giving up? Instead of focusing on what you will get. Also, just a side note here, we're never giving up anything. It's a trade-off. Is it a trade-off you're willing to make is always going to be the question. Life is full of trade-offs. Do you like the trade-offs that you're making? You're never giving anything up. You're never giving anything away. You're never throwing it away. You are making a conscious choice. And how we think about it and how we talk to ourselves about it is going to impact this a lot. We're not looking for any cons. 
Nothing cancels out. Nothing creates a wash. You don't negate one thing for another. Nope. What are the benefits to each one? What will you gain from saying yes? Okay, that's step two. Step number three, based on your one-year and five-year goals, which option gets you closer to your goal? That option will often have the most benefits and the most things to gain. So this one clearly has 20 benefits and this one has two. So we can often see very clearly this one is the decision that I want to make. But if there are a lot of benefits for both options, narrow down to the top five most important benefits of each one. And step number four is we want to acknowledge your fear. The fear is normal. So now I want you to write out on a separate piece of paper all your fears about making that decision and committing to it. Things like, am I ready? Can I really do this? What if I fail again? What if the results don't last? What if I try and I give it my all and it still doesn't work? What will that mean about me? What will I be telling myself? How am I going to be feeling? Get all of the fear out. That's often what runs the ship. It's those thoughts that make the decisions for you. So we need to get it out of your head. Because even when you know that a decision is the right decision for you in the moment, it can still feel hard or challenging because we might feel like we're losing a friendship or a relationship. We're leaving good people or good things behind. And sometimes we have to say no to the good in order to make room for the great. It's another tweetable right there, y'all. Sometimes we have to say no to the good in order to make room for the great. And that can also feel hard. When we made the decision to move from Arizona to North Carolina, I did not want to move right then. We had only been there about a year. I was not ready, and I didn't want to leave the church. I didn't want to leave the friendships. I didn't want to leave the community that I had just started to really build. I knew that moving to North Carolina was the right decision for our family, but it also sucked. And that's okay. It's okay that it's not going to be all unicorns and rainbows and daisies. It's okay that it's not always going to feel amazing. Leaving that relationship that you know is a dead end and not going anywhere, you might know it's the right thing to step away. It might also feel really hard. It might also feel kind of a challenge. Even though it's the right thing to do, it's like the right decision to make, it can still feel hard because of the thoughts and often it's around the fear. What if I don't meet anybody better? What if this is a terrible mistake? What if, what if, what if? We're just going to get lost in our brain staying close and keeping what feels safe and familiar. Again, fear is your brain's way of keeping you in your comfort zone. It's your brain's way of saying, are you sure? Because it's designed to look for all of the negatives, all of the pitfalls, everything that could possibly go wrong. It wants to protect you from that pain. The real question is, do you want to let fear run your life? Do you want to make all your decisions out of fear when it comes to your job or your business or your health or your weight loss journey? or your spouse or partner, or your kids and your parenting? Do you want to make all of your decisions out of fear? Because you can choose to do that. That is 100% an option. And I'm not going to tell you that's right or wrong. That's not my job. My job is to show you that there is another option, that you can choose to make decisions based on who you want to become and the type of life that you want to be living, not just right now, but in the next one year, three years, or five years. You can decide to have your own back and trust that no matter what comes your way, you will figure it out. You can remember that there are no right decisions. There are only the decisions that you make right and you can trust yourself. I just want to pose that as an option and an opportunity that is ready and available to you. I know it's going to feel scary. 
And I think it's really interesting because fear and excitement feel the exact same way in my body when I think about it. It feels like tightness and butterflies in my stomach. That's how I feel when I get excited. That's how I feel when there's fear. And often anything I'm excited about, there will always be some fear there. And that's okay. It doesn't mean don't do it. I still stay focused on the bigger vision and goal that I have. This is what I want to do. And I can do hard things. I remember telling myself this in Body Pump when we'd be doing like 16 bottom halves. And I'm like, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. And I remember telling myself that (laughs) when giving birth. And I was like, I can do hard things. (laughs) I can do this. You can do hard things too. And I guarantee when it comes to weight loss and emotional eating, it's far easier than you think. We just need to have the right process. That's the only thing. Step number five is what do you want? What do you want to do? Are you doing it because you feel like you have to? You shouldn't do that. That would be foolish. Are you telling yourself those things? Are you doing what you want to do? Are you going to work solving the real problems that you really want help with? Are you saying yes to that big life and goal and vision that you have for yourself? But this is your choice. It's your decision. It is always your decision what to do. We can get really hung up in this decision-making process. I want to show you how I walk through this. Let's go into decision-making as to whether or not we take another job in a different state and we end up moving. So we listed out all the benefits. Zach and I did this separately. Then we came together to talk about it. And all of the benefits that I saw were originally in Raleigh. It was to stay here. We're going to stay in North Carolina. That's where I saw the most benefit. Now, I saw the most benefit for us in the here and now, in the immediate future, not necessarily in terms of five and 10-year growth. Like one year, great. Maybe even three years, yes. But when we get into that five-year, that 10-year, the growth opportunity for Zach's career, for our investment strategy, for buying more real estate, some of those things, the growth potential wasn't there. And I do also want to say that part of the move, like why that isn't as beneficial for me personally, it's because I'm not the one in that job. We would be primarily moving for the career and I'm not the one with that career. So of course, to me, that's not going to feel as important. But when I look at our life as a family overall and looking at what has the most opportunity and potential, moving makes the most sense. And I had to really rein Zach in when he wanted to go look at cons and, well, this is a wash because of blah, blah. Nope, nope, not doing it. What are the benefits That's it. There are no washes. Nothing cancels anything out. We are just looking at what are the benefits. And we had a lot. We had over a dozen in each category. So then we narrowed down to what are the five most important and top ranking benefits? What mean the most to us? Even though it would mean saying goodbye to friends, to a community, to a church, to people here, to an amazing house with a playhouse, like a built-in playhouse with a slide upstairs in the loft. Are you kidding? This is an amazing house. We have a garden. We have a super low interest rate. We've got some good things going on here. But that also serves us short-term. It does not set us up for the growth and the opportunity that we want for five to 10 years down the road. And I know that can change. That may look different. We could move and then decide, hey, that's not what we want at all, and that's fine. We're always going to be reassessing, but we were able to see based off of the longer vision what was going to get us closer to our goals. And it does come with some trade-offs. We are going to have to say goodbye to some people. 
we are going to have to pack up a house and then unpack a house. And right there's the mental aspect of I just don't want to move again. But that's how we really flush this out. And then again, we make the decision and then we decide, hey, this is it. There's no redeciding. We do not go back and rehash this. We make it and we move forward. And then we just recommit to that decision. And we look at the fears of going someplace new. What if we don't find a great church? What if we don't make new friends? What if I don't find a good babysitter? There's a lot of what ifs that likely we can find because we didn't have a guarantee when we moved here of all of those things. We didn't have a church. We didn't have a community. We didn't have a babysitter. We didn't have preschool. We didn't have anything. We set all of that up here and we figured it out. And I know that I can figure it out again. And I will 100% because that's what we do as women, as moms, like we figure shit out. Now, I also see a lot of people with this kind of drama around coaching and you can invest money in yourself on coaching or you can keep the money in the bank. That's the trade-off. We're just looking at what are the pros. So what would be all of the pros of keeping money in the bank or not putting extra money on the credit card? So maybe it gives you a sense of security or safety of like, I've got this savings. I've got this little nest egg tucked away. You might have thoughts about it's the right thing to do. It's what I should be doing. I should have this much money in savings. I should only use savings for these types of activities or for these types of expenses. And a lot of times when it comes to money, we want to look at what are our thoughts and feelings about money as a whole? Because when we feel like it's hard to get or it's hard to keep or when we can't make enough, when we have a lot of scarcity around money, when you get it, you're going to want to hold on to it tightly and not let it go. Kind of like we do with diet rules, like we hold it so tight that we squeeze it out of our hand. Same thing with money. It can give us a false sense of security and safety. But sometimes that's what it's doing for us. It's giving us a sense of security or safety. So we want to look at what are the benefits? What are the benefits of not putting money on the credit card? Here's what this would mean to me. Then we can look at, okay, what are the benefits of coaching? What are the benefits of doing this program or working with this person or taking this certification or quitting my job and going back to school? It doesn't necessarily have to be coaching. It can be with any other thing as it relates to money. And I know for me and for my program in particular, what you get with coaching is you're going to learn how to reduce stress and overwhelm so that you are less irritated and less snappy. You're automatically going to start sleeping better. You're going to feel better about yourself and your body. You're going to lose weight and feel confident being able to keep it off. You're going to stop overeating every day like I was doing previously. You're going to stop reaching for food when you're not truly hungry. You're going to understand why you're reaching for food and you're going to make it easy on yourself to say no instead of just trying to white knuckle and willpower harder. You're going to grow your self-confidence. You're going to trust yourself around food. You're going to trust yourself to make decisions. You're going to stop punishing yourself with exercise. You're going to learn to assess so that you can learn from your mistakes. You're going to stop beating yourself up. You're going to stop comparing yourself to anyone who seems better than you. You're going to love you for who you are, not your size or shape or based on your achievements or how much you got checked off of your to-do list this day or this week. You're going to spend less money on food and snacks because you're not overeating and you're not emotionally eating. I think that's one thing that we also forget is let's look at the next 20, 30, 40 years. How much money are you going to be spending when you are overeating all the time and you are emotionally eating? You are using food when you are not truly hungry. You spend a lot of money on that. And we don't even realize all the time what that could add up to be. Like when I was eating three protein bars a day, each one of those are like two to three dollars each. Let's say 250. That's a good happy medium. So 250 
times 30, that's $75 a month. Times 12, that's 900. That's $900 a year just on protein bars, okay? Now, that 900 times, let's say 30 years, right? We never know how old we're going to live or how long we're going to live, but that's $27,000 that I would have spent over the course of 30 years, just on average, just on protein bars, because that was my obsession of let me eat healthy, but I was still overeating. I was still emotionally eating, regardless of how, quote, healthy it was. We don't often stop to think, oh, how much would I be saving because I'm not overeating, because I'm listening to my body. And really, to learn how to eat carbs without feeling anxious, to enjoy new places and new foods without the fear of ruining your diet, there are a lot of benefits that I see to the work that I have done over time. Managing stress, managing my time, feeling good about the time that I spend on myself, in my business, on personal tasks at home, learning how to say yes and no from a place of love and confidence and peace, not trying to people-please people all the time not eating to people, please. There's a lot that goes on here. When we look now at what are the benefits, not letting fear run our life. And again, it could have been, hey, I spent money and I didn't get the results I wanted, but I always go back to, but I'm committed to figuring this out. I will figure this out. And I can acknowledge the fear and I can do it anyways. And I can say, this is what I'm determined to create with my life. We get one precious life. One, that's it. What are you doing with yours? I asked a girl a question in a Facebook group because she was debating really hard about spending $200 on this business event. And she had a lot of fear around it. What if it doesn't work out? What if? And I wrote in there in a comment and I was like, look, I don't mean to sound like a bitch here, but are you going to make all of your decisions based off of fear? Is that how you want to be the CEO of your business? Because that does not sound like it's going to get you very far. That's not going to build the business that you want. She didn't respond, and that's okay. I knew it was going to be a little abrupt. But that's what I saw, and that's what I could point out, and that's often what happens is we let fear run our lives and run our world rather than living into the possibility and being in that hope and being in that belief. And this is part of where I help clients as well is because I bring 90% of that belief. I know you can do this. I know a thousand percent that I can help you stop emotionally eating, stop overeating, feel good and comfortable in your body, eating carbs, eating sugar, eating the foods that you feel like are off limits. I know that you can do this. And I'll bring 90% of that belief. You just got to bring 10%. I don't need you to believe the whole way yet. Don't worry. I'll help you strengthen that belief. That'll come with time. Don't worry. I got you. You can borrow some of my belief and I'll help get you to that 100%. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that I help clients get these results. And the benefits are huge. The benefits now compounded over time, over the next 30, 40, 50 years, are incredible. So for me, I see this as a no-brainer. What I offer when I work with clients, I'm thinking like, this is a steal. And then we look at, okay, how do you create that sense of security and that sense of safety? Not just with money and money in the bank but in yourself and your ability to figure things out, in trusting yourself, and that no matter what comes your way, you will figure it out. That's how we create security and safety is learning to trust in yourself, not trusting in a number that's in a bank. Because let me tell you what, the government can take that real quick. I'm not saying that to try to scare you or to make you spend your money. I'm just saying what we feel safe and secure with may not actually be safe and secure. 
that may be a false sense of safety and security. The way that you really feel safe and secure is in your ability to figure things out, your ability to have your own back, your ability to assess and learn from any mistakes instead of trash-talking yourself and beating yourself up and snuggling up in your shame shawl. So today's key thought I want you to really drive home, there's no right decision. There's only the decision that you make right. If you are ready to stop swirling in indecision about what to eat, how to exercise, how to stop overeating or emotionally eating, then I would love to help. This is what I do every single day with clients. I help them feel better about their lives as a whole because it's not going to mean crap to get the body you crave if you don't have a life that you absolutely love which means that you've got to learn and understand and unwind that emotional eating habit. You need to stop beating yourself up when you make a mistake. You need to learn how to love your body and accept it and make peace with it and love it as you are losing weight, as you are changing your body. You can love your life now as you are working to change it. And I'll give you guidance and show you what to focus on, where to put your time and effort and energy and what is really going to move the needle forward. You don't need more of the same. And I know it can feel scary to try something different, but this is how we make decisions that are really going to be the best decisions we've ever made is when we make them from our future self in mind, is when we make the decision to truly change these habits for good. And if you would like that help, then I would love to help you. So you can schedule your free consultation at www com forward slash schedule. And I will help you create all of the results that you want in all areas of your life. We start with food and body and we work our way out because it's just a puzzle. We're just putting one puzzle piece in at a time. It's not overwhelming. It doesn't take a lot of time. We work it right into your lifestyle so that you don't just create the results once, you create them and you can keep them. This is how we get where we want to go. This is how we create the body and the life that we crave. And this is why I am so hellbent on talking about this. This is why I've gone on for an hour now. (laughs) This has been quite the long podcast. I apologize because this is something that we have a really hard time deciding what to do. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? How do I make this decision? Because we get caught up in the fear and the worry and the doubt. But I've got you. If these are your goals, if these are the things that you want to do, then I will help you do that. I will help you achieve them. I guarantee there is nobody who can't create the same results that I have. I would love if you would share this with somebody who is maybe needing to make a big decision in their life. It may not be about weight loss or food or anything like that, but maybe they just have a big decision. I really believe that this is the process that you can apply to anything. You can apply this to where you go to college or what job you take or what state you move to or who you marry. You can apply this philosophy and it will work. And we just want to focus on what are the benefits of doing each one. And we start to make decisions from that future self. We start to create the life that we truly want. We don't just leave it up to chance. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Here's to creating the body and life you crave. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop. 
five keys to end emotional eating and lose excess weight for life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.